And welcome to the Monday Lorians, where we have a casual chat about Star Wars over a cup of good old steaming hot Jawa juice, ready to brighten up your week. Here we discuss the stories, themes, characters, and our own personal experiences from a galaxy far, far away. It's me, I'm Niall, I'm back hosting for a nice change, and I'm here with... It's Jake, back again, this time as a more laid-back episode than we have had in the last couple of weeks. Yeah, geez, because we're coming off the back of the Mandalorian, Bad Batch, Celebration, Return of the Jedi's 40th, uh, Visions, which... Are... And Jedi Survivor. And Jedi Survivor. Which we, we, yeah, we have yet to do an episode of that, but it's coming. It's coming. It is coming. I am very close to the end, and I'll try... I'll, I, I won't share anything here, obviously, out of respect, because hopefully you'll get to play it while I'm away in Sweden. I think that's the plan. We're going to do like a... I'm going to let you guys uh, take care of the PlayStation. Oh, that's nice. That's very kind of you. Yeah, then me and Dave can um, have a jam over it while you're away in uh, in Sweden. Mm. Yeah, yeah. It'd be cool because until then, you probably won't get to listen to whatever episode I do on it of the show. <laughs> It'll be a, a mysterious quantity. I, I was thinking this. I was like, well, Niall's going to have to edit that episode as well because I don't want... Oh, <laughs> crap. <laughs> oh, I just played myself. Um, I mean, uh, wait, wait, we can talk. No, about no, it. no. That, that makes total sense. Don't worry. <laughs> don't worry. So, yeah, so we're doing um, our first mailbag episode because we just we wanted to get something in and there's no like kind of Star Wars releases for a nice change for a week. And I always like a lot of podcasts I listen to do these and they're, they're always quite fun. They're good, good mix of topics and can go from very serious thought provoking to very dumb, which I adore. Because I think you bring the former to the show and I can only bring the latter. <laughs> well, <laughs> As Dave always tells me. That's being too harsh on yourself, Niall. Uh, I don't mind. I don't mind. But yeah, uh, first let's talk about Star Wars in real life. Um, let's let's lead with the bad news, because I think this is something that we're all very upset about. Um, just a few days ago this week, um, the great actor Ray Stevenson passed away just incredibly suddenly, just a very sudden illness. Um, in Italy, yeah. Um, Jake, I'll, I'll just hand it over to you, because obviously I think we only have very good things to say about him but what what was your kind of history with ray stevenson as an actor uh well when i first found the news like when, when you actually uh, broke it to us in the group chat i was like i couldn't almost believe it like you know like obviously you weren't lying but this is like no he's lying he's joking it's like and then feel free to unfriend me <laughs> if i ever make that joke because <laughs> no. that just sucks <laughs> no um but no in all seriousness yeah absolute shock because I was in my head when I was like, we literally just saw the dude a few weeks ago up on stage, at like you know the celebration live stage, talking about his character and coming in in Ahsoka and stuff like that, and he looked great. He looked absolutely great. So it's uh, you know they obviously haven't released the cause of death yet, but just incredibly shocking. You know, at fifty eight years old, 
um, such a, a young age to be taken away from us. And, and yeah, I was a, while not being familiar with all his work, all the stuff that I did watch that he was in, I really enjoyed. Um, especially that this might be controversial to some people, but I'm quite a big fan of that Punisher Warzone movie that he did. Punisher Warzone absolutely rocks. I think it's just a classic balls to the wall, classic action movie. Um, and I think he's great as Frank Castle. So yeah, um, that's a, a standout for me. Um, he doesn't get much to do, but he's always a fun presence in the Thor films and stuff like that. Uh, but yeah, it's just a very tragic, tragic loss. And to think on a Star Wars level, like it's obviously sad when we, we lose legends like Carrie Fisher, Peter Mayhew and stuff like that. But it's also really sad in this case because it's a very different scenario of he was just beginning his Star Wars journey. Now, I know he voiced Gar Saxon in Clone Wars, but th it's kind of different when your face is on the screen, you know, like you are actually in Star Wars now, Ray Stevenson playing this character. So it's just really sad that it's th it was the beginning of his Star Wars journey where, where we lost him at, you know? It, yeah, it's going to be just incredibly poignant seeing him when Ahsoka does come out. Like, I'm, I always... Whenever that thing comes up at the end of a, a, a production when someone's passed the in-loving memory of, it always hits me really hard, especially when it's like the, the end of The Last Jedi with Carrie Fisher's memorial. Uh, yeah, I've, Ray Stevenson was the star of Rome, which was one of the, the first, like I suppose, prestige TV shows I ever got into when I was quite young. I, all, I loved it so much. I thought he was like the best thing in it. This kind of <laughs> thug with a, a weird, weird soul is <laughs> very, very interesting uh, character to grapple with. Even when I, I got to visit the set of Rome years later after it was cancelled, we were on a uni trip and it just turned out this Roman studio, they still had the entire set of like the main Senate, which they rent out for weddings, which is just the coolest place to have your wedding in ancient rome yeah if you want to save money going to actual rome <laughs> well you're in rome that's the hilarious thing the studio's in rome but you can just go to fake rome oh. for your wedding <laughs> but yeah that was a very emotional time i just turned the corner i was like holy shit my favorite one of my favorite show that just got cancelled two seasons in i'm in it but um that's i made that all about me which is really bad but i was just saying how much that show means to me and as you said like amazing Punisher Warzone, a film that's had like a, a nice path to recognition in the last few years. Patton Oswalt, I think, became its biggest fan and and the, the love has spread. I'm trying to think of other roles. It's, he has a lot. And I love that in Rebels, we did get a Rome reunion with Kevin McKidd playing another Mandalorian. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah, which is just a really... Of all things, when I started watching Star Wars Rebels, the, the Disney Channel show, I never thought I'd get an, an homage to HBO's Rome <laughs> in the only tasteful way they could. Um, yeah, like, just, I always feel sad because I feel he was very beloved and people who know him really liked him, but I feel he, he never did get that role that got everyone to know who he was. Um, yeah, just another great Irish actor. Star Wars has many of him and... I can't wait to see him playing with a lightsaber. Mm. Balin Skull or something like that, his name, which is just a great Star Wars name. 
Some some Norse mythology, isn't it? Yeah, I think uh, you were telling me. I think it was Dave. Yeah, the, maybe which, Dave. Yeah, which I think naturally uh, they link to Norse mythology. Wolves. Oh, <laughs> no, wolves! Knowing it's... Dave Filoni, of course. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's just just really sad, you know, just really really sad. Um, that especially like as from what I gathered from the trailer, they were portraying him to be quite a significant character in the series. Mm. So it leads me to believe that, you know, well, we obviously don't know his fate within the first season, but if maybe he would have played a bigger part going forward, we don't know. It's, uh, it's, it's a real shame. It is. But on, um, on a brighter note, a very different one, I just thought I'd mention this because I only found this out a few minutes before we started recording, is we are recording this on the 46th anniversary of Star Wars. We are. <laughs> Yeah. And re- and re- and exactly the date of the 40th anniversary of Return of the Jedi as well. Yeah, yeah. and many things. I think Solo as well. It's a mini anniversary. Solo, five-year anniversary for Solo, which is crazy to think it's five years already from Solo. <laughs> yeah, five years and still not a solid on-screen follow-up. And I don't want to get into the hashtag territory, but I do want to see what happens next. <laughs> I think that's a whole other conversation. That is, I mean... We could have a another whole podcast episode on it, but yeah, my kind of thoughts is that while I do enjoy Solo, while all of it doesn't quite work for me, I'd be quite happy to see those actors return in those characters in some way or form in the future. I'd be down for it. Yeah. So, um, so Jake, have you had any other Star Wars encounters in the week? You know, for once, not really. Um, yeah, like very similar to last week, I've kind of been um just the last few days when i'm not working i've been in this room in these four walls uh just working on my final assignment for uni uh which was finished and submitted which means i am totally free now for the rest of the summer i'm done with my first year of this uh, university course i'm doing which you know i'll give myself a little pat on the back um for accomplishing that and i look forward to doing more but i'm also looking forward to the break but yeah, it's been a good, been a bit of a challenge at times. But yeah, it's 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 been fun. I've I've quite enjoyed it, you know. Yeah, well done. It seemed like any any time you shared stuff from it, it seemed like so interesting, but also f- from my point of view, like quite dense. It's like whenever you mention a topic, it's like, oh man, like where where do you start with that? What was it about antiheroes? And it's like, was it not antiheroes? What was it? Sorry, the one with the, was it the Virgin Mary or <laughs> Mary Magdalene? Yeah, yeah, there was um, a chapter in our studies focused on, you know, the Mary, mother of Jesus. And then uh, there was, you know, relating to your own uh, history and culture, Niall, there was a whole chapter on um, uh, the Irish Revolution, essentially, in the le- uh, early 1900s, you know. Um, the up- Uprising, I think it was called. Yeah. Yeah, the Uprising, yeah. Um, which I had, you know, vague sort of information about you know i sort of heard and bits and drabs but when you actually learn and get more knowledge about these events that happened in our history it's like oh wow okay you know it's was, was that with wolf tone wolf tone i don't that name or was that was, an earlier one i think that's an earlier one that name stuck with me because i was like that sounds like a dave filoni character <laughs> <laughs> no that name i don't think that name sounds familiar so i don't think that one popped up but yeah just 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 discovering more about cultures and history you like it's just interesting to th- to think on perspective of like what we're taught about in our own society you know and then when you actually find out what actually happened you're like oh okay 
and then you question why you weren't told about this earlier. Especially the absurd proximity between uh, where we live and Ireland. It's so funny how little of Irish history is known over here at all. Yeah, it is pretty bizarre. Um, yeah, it's just crazy. And considering as well, Irish history is so integral to British history, considering that, you know, the Celtic people pretty much started the sort of Britain as it was before the Romans came over and stuff, you know? But anyway, there were, this is, uh, it's not, <laughs> it's not the Histilorians, history Lorians, it's the Monday Lorians. So <laughs> I apologize for anyone who heard me describe accidentally the Virgin Mary as an anti-hero. I, that was a slip of the tongue. That would be very strange. I, I, yeah, that would be very strange. <laughs> She's Venom. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be pretty cool. Um, okay, enough about Venom and enough about the mother of Christ. Jake, will we hop into some questions? Let's get into some questions, man. Cool. So we'll take them one at a time. We'll do them each. So the first one is from a friend of the show who I still haven't met. But you guys know him very well. Uh, is Stefanos Florakis is asking? I'm I'm only reading this for the first time now, so that's fun. Natalie Portman has shared interest in returning to Star Wars, but in what way do you think it would be best to bring Padme back in a future project, even if it is just one scene? Ooh, yeah. So have have you actually? Um, before we get into the question itself, have you seen uh, Natalie Portman? Natalie Portman's recent comments in an interview about yeah I'd be down for coming back that's kind of I've only, I've not even seen the quote I've just seen people reposting the article say and you're saying like Natalie Portman expresses interest in returning but no one's asked her I think that's how she ends her statement. yeah that's how she yeah but no one's asked her and it is there is nothing more than that there is no sort of more it is just like yeah I'd be down to come back but no one's asked me but yeah ooh because I, I made it's funny because I think I, yeah, I saw that and I made one of my classic silly tweets where I said like, yeah, they should they should make a, a movie where they show that she faked her death to get out of her marriage and she's in witness protection. <laughs> God. But but on a serious note, like, do, did you, because you've read this question before I did, have you had time to, to mull over this one? Yeah, I mean, I've been kind of thinking about this for a long time now, not even with with Stefanos's question, not even with Natalie Portman's comments, just in general thinking about Padme's place within the larger story. Because personally, since the Disney acquisition, I don't think I think there's been an unfair amount of lack of spotlight on Padme, the character, compared to the other uh, big characters from that era that we've been exploring. Um, because I think. She is very much, I, I don't mean it in the, in the sense of like, oh, she's a female character, so she's like Leia, but she is the Leia of that trilogy, you know? She is the, the part of the big three. And I think as well that her very character is a very important character to the story, her steadfastness, her diplomacy, uh, which her sort of... Um, the fact that she cares about, actually genuinely cares about the good of the people, her planet, um, the, the the ones, the, the people she cares about in her life, where you see some of those traits in Luke and in Leia and so forth. So I think she's an integral character to the overall big story. And I think since Disney acquisition, they haven't had much of a spotlight on her, which I think is a bit of a shame, especially in The Rise of Skywalker. I thought at least a mention, you know, 
Uh, and then in particular, I thought it was more of a bummer in the Kenobi show where even Kenobi, like he implied he was talking about Padme, but you know, just go that extra step sometimes, mention the name, you know, have a bit more of a spotlight on her. I, I just think, yeah, she's she deserves more of a spotlight, I think, and she's been treated unfairly as a character, I'd say. Uh, on the on the publishing side, though, I will say that um, E.K. Johnson's Padme trilogy of books, which I've read, are fantastic. Uh, really get into the character of Padme and her handmaidens and that whole dynamic. Really good stuff. But um, but yeah, before we actually get into the actual main question, what do you think of the character of Padme, uh, Niall? I've, I've always struggled because I've... I'm only talking about in the actual films now because I know there's so much expanded stuff, but I again try to keep it to like Natalie Portman's portrayal of that character specifically. Because Natalie Portman's an amazing actress, but I always felt she kind of never got enough to do in those films at a certain point, especially Revenge of the Sith, where understandably she's like pregnant with twins, but a lot of her scenes were cut that I think would have really like really added a bit more oomph to that character where you see her with, of course, our favourite character, Mon Mothma, <laughs> among other people. Um, yeah, I think that's why the idea, because at first I kind of poo-pooed it when I saw her say, like, she'd like to return. Because uh, I was like, yeah, that character's dead. And it's... How, how long has it been since Revenge of Sith? Has it been 20 years? Or c- close to... Yeah, 18 years it's been. And I was like, yeah, it's been so long. But then I, you know, I remember, like, well, Natalie Portman looks amazing, like, and I don't care about de-aging. If she just wants to do something, they didn't de-age Hayden Christensen for that flashback scene. So, and I absolutely don't care. I just like, well, that's Anakin. I recognize that actor. Like, uh, Better Call Saul this is a prequel to Breaking Bad. They didn't do any de-aging, so all the characters in the prequel look older. But who could possibly care? Because they're all great actors playing great characters. So, um, yeah, it's it's not a. I can't say I dislike or like Padme almost. It's like, I always just wish like for that bit of extra context. Because especially because like, I know it's it's very easy to, to, to take digs at the Attack of the Clones romance or whatever. But I feel like with more time on that, that could have been, that could have been really something. So if they did want to do a project and set it back in the prequel era with it, like, go for it. Because she's, she's fantastic. And I think... With, like, the right direction and the right script. Especially when Tony Gilroy wants to do a political thriller then. But, uh, you know, there's a lot of juice in the idea. Yeah, I think in regards to where she could show up, I think there's only one of two options that come to my mind off the top of my head, like, immediately. Um, In in relation to like projects that are already currently going or have been or have happened. Um, The first one would be is if, if I don't think that will be the case, but who knows if they do a Kenobi season two, I think that might be a chance for her to bring it back in some sort of flashback as they did with Hayden Christensen. Um, The other option is because you mentioned Tony Gilroy, um, another flashback scene, but within Andor, with a, a sort of flashback scene with Mon Mothma and Natalie Portman, you know, um, at the time of the Clone Wars or like just pre-Revenge of the Sith or even recontextualize those deleted scenes. You know, maybe it's sort of, you know, the Star Wars is happy to sort of do that in the past before, so why not do it again? Um, so yeah, I think one of those two options would be a good way 
to bring back Natalie Portman as Padme. And yeah, and I'm with you. I don't really care for the de-aging thing. She looks absolutely great. She honestly, she looks the same as she does as she did 20 years ago in playing that character. So yeah, I'd say bring it on. And it'd be interesting for her to return to the role, especially because it's been that amount of time and she has, I she's had kids since. So I wonder like, would that, I don't know, psychologically, would that bring something? I don't understand acting. I'm not very good with this stuff. No. I was going to say, she also could just be lying and she's filmed the scene for Ahsoka already. <laughs> <laughs> so there's that possibility. I, I highly doubt it. But if there was a place as well, that's potentially... Yeah. She's she's on a level, Natalie Portman, of like prestige and popularity where I imagine... I don't imagine getting like a one-off cameo from her almost. I think if she's in something, she's going to be in something. She's going to play a, a meaty role. To, yes. Yeah. And I don't I don't know if Natalie Portman has done TV yet. I can't a lot of huge actors have, but I don't think she's made that crossover. Crossover, yeah. She's been mainly, I think, while she's still been obviously performing, she's been doing a lot of producing work lately as well with with her production company. So I don't know, maybe yeah, I don't think she has done TV before, so it'd be interesting why not, you know? most every other A-list Hollywood yeah. actor has made the cross, apart from Nick Cage, but that's a different story. <laughs> but I was thinking when we think, like I was trying to picture in my head, like what would like a Padme show be? And I was thinking, because this is something those E.K. Johnson books have probably covered. Uh, I just don't know and feel free to tell me and I might check them out. But I'd be interested to see it where there's like Natalie Portman playing the character, but also flashbacks to like young Padme. Because I'm really curious about this kid who becomes the queen of a planet it's like what what does that look like so if they could find a way to that story could reflect whatever story she's going through in the well, present there is no present in star wars but <laughs> in that context I'd, I'd be very curious yeah i mean what what goes through the mind of a 14 year old that's queen of a planet you know yeah it's yeah no the the ek johnson one of the books explores some time like just before phantom menace and then goes like concurrently with phantom menace uh but it doesn't go really far back it has like certain like flashback moments of her thinking about her child and stuff but i don't think if, to my memory i don't think they spend too much time there or even that transition where then she's she goes from being the queen to a senator it's a very strange career path but that could be kind of a an interesting thing like see if they almost did multiple actors playing here through different stages like boyhood oh. <laughs> <Padme> <laughs> Amidala. yeah why I not don't know. and that could be finally it could be our first like new canon project where we properly get jar jar back so rob would be happy rob would be well happy. he wouldn't because he's not an alcoholic yet in well, this at this continuity. point no yeah no but we'll get there we'll get there so i think our answer is yeah we would like to see natalie portman come back if, if they can find a good reason to do it. A good reason to do it, yeah. We don't just want it for the sake of it. So I, I'm sure she wouldn't. <laughs> no, I don't think she would either. Um, right, so should we go on to the next question then? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay, so that one was a bit of a, a deeper, more of a, a thinker. This one's a bit funnier coming from Laura Filmer, as to be expected, uh, knowing Laura. It's got to involve creatures or cute things somehow. Uh, so she asks, which would you rather have as a pet? An Ewok, a Kowakian, a Kowakian monkey lizard, Grogu, or a Rancor. So, Niall, I'll throw this to you. See, 
we, we, I, I like how you said this is a bit of a funnier one or a sillier one, but I have, I struggle with it because in my mind, an Ewok and Grogu are like kind of sentient in a way that I don't think they would be pets. Like Grogu is a little guy who will one day speak. <laughs> like, it's like imagine having I'm... Yoda as a pet. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So for that, I, I couldn't go with Grogu. And, it, and well, and, you know, Kowakian lizard monkeys, monkey lizards, are kind of a different story because, like, when I watched Return of Jedi for the first time, I just assumed Salacious B. Crumb was a dude who was like that. But then other canon since has just made it seem like they're all, like, that's just, he's just kind of a, a pet, like an animal. And you see other ones like that and you see people eating them. <laughs> yeah, you see them in Mando, don't you? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So they're the most pet-like. But also, he's horrible, and I would never want him in my house. No. Can you imagine hearing that laugh all the time? Oh, my God. Yeah. Um, now, a rancor might... After Book of Boba Fett, it might have to be my choice. Because when... Especially because I've seen him... A moochie is kind of sweet when it's little. Now, the problem is, I don't have room in my flat for a fully grown rancor. So I, I'd need to have to I'd have to try and work out some kind of space to keep it. But bizarrely, even though it's the one that would be most likely to kill people, I probably have to go for Rancor because the ethics of owning two of them I struggle with, and then the other one is horrible. <laughs> That's my long-winded uh, thought process. Today. Uh what do you make of it, Jake? Well, yeah, I have a, a similar thought process. So if if I'm going to go in regard in the order that um. Laura has said just said to us, like an Ewok, I don't think you can own as a pet because the Ewok would just be like, what are you doing? Like, you know, <laughs> like, you know he'd just start poking you with the, with the spear. I mean, like, get off me, like, you know. So, no, I, I think they're very independent, uh, sentient creatures, Ewoks. And uh, so, no, I don't think you could own them. As, as, they as they a, have a religion. They have a religion. <laughs> you know, they've got their own pagan beliefs and their own, like, sort of uh, dance rituals at the end of celebrations. All sorts of stuff going on. So, yeah, I'd like one as a buddy, but no, I couldn't yeah. have one as a pet. There'd be a good hang. A good hang. Very much like Chewbacca, in a sense. Yeah, they, uh, they throw cool parties. Cool parties. And uh, when they, they like to drink as well, I've been told. Um, so a Kowakia monkey lizard same like you Nile. now I know like it's been established in canon that not all Kowakia monkey lizards are such scum like Salacious Beakrum I mean and, and who, that's fair enough because there's only one, one Salacious Beakrum um, at the same time though they just no I don't think I'd want to own a Kowakia monkey lizard just the noise that they make and them just jumping around and stuff no it's not for me um, a Grogu again like that's just He's 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 your buddy, you know. He's he's just a little child, you know. He, I wouldn't say he's a pet. Probably a good hang as well. Like when he wants, to, sometimes he can be a bit a little shit. I, I would yeah. Admit. You know, sometimes Din is like Grogu. Can you can you can you not do this right now? You know? Stop stop eating those eggs. Stop eating those eggs. Um, <laughs> so no, not Grogu. But yeah, like you, my answer is gonna be the Rancor. Um, not just for I think there's always been this kind of thing with the Rancor, like going back to Return of the Jedi, that even though it's this horrible huge monster that's trying to eat Luke, um, when Luke does kill it, you know, there's that compassion from uh, Mali Keeley, I think the character's name is. Yeah, yeah. The Rancor keeper, you know, where he cries and stuff like that. 
And I, they all, from the very beginning, you thought, okay, there might be something there. And then, like you said, the Book of Boba Fett sort of explores that a bit further. And for all Book of Boba Fett's flaws, there is a lot of good stuff in that show. And I think that scene with the Danny Trejo, <laughs> of all people, where he's like explaining to Boba, you know, how to tame a rancor and to, you know, be, you know, look in its eyes, make that connection with it. Um, I thought that was really beautiful and moving. And as someone who also really likes big dogs and thinks sometimes that big dogs get a bad rap just because of how they look, um, I, I I want to be one of those people that's like, he's fine, he's just big, you know, but he's he's a lovable beast. So yeah, Rancor's my choice. My um, uh, non-option she gave there, if I had to like choose any kind of Star Wars thing to be my actual pet, it might be, after because I've been playing it so much, it might be like a little BD1 droid. Because he is, like, portrayed like a little dog. He waggles his ass when he's, like, excited. Yeah, just a very sweet character, BD1. I think, and this is a bigger question, but I think the droids play more of, like, a pet role in Star Wars than anything because technically they are owned by organic yeah. masters. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not get into that. That's, a, that's, a, that's why Dave uh, was uh, cancelled from the Monday Lorians. Yeah. <laughs> His controversial views on droids. On droids, yes. Cool. Will we move on? Let's move on then. So we've got one from the great Rob Ailing. Always happy to hear from Rob. Who asks, what is the best Star Wars parody you have seen? And cheekily adds, and why is it Spaceballs? And I'm going to preempt <laughs> any answer to this with, I cannot stand Spaceballs. I think Spaceballs is deeply unfunny. I have tried to watch it multiple times and I never get past 20 minutes. That might be controversial, but... It's not controversial on this podcast now, I don't think. Oh, are you in... Do you agree? Um, I wouldn't say I'm as... I vehemently dislike it as much as you, but I find it a bit like, okay, whatever sort of thing, you know, like... I've never been the biggest fan of Spaceballs because... Um, which I'll get into my actual favorite parody in a second. I've always felt... It's more making fun of Star Wars than having fun with Star Wars, which I think some of the best par parodies have fun with the thing rather than pointing and making fun, if you know what I mean. Yeah, and I always felt the stuff it's kind of digging into is stuff that is already just, you know, silly Star Wars stuff. So I don't really know what they're making fun of. It's, it's, it's a weird, like, snake eating itself. It's like, okay, like... Are you make what what point are you making? Is yeah, Star Wars is goofy, and yeah, we we all know that. I don't know. It just feels like a weird target. And I love Mel Brooks. I'm not going to put Mel Brooks down, but it's a it's a misfire from him for me. Yeah, it was a it was eighties, wasn't it? So it was in his in his prime, in his heyday when he was doing yeah Ghostbusters it, and all sorts of other stuff. Yeah, I I can't remember when Space Force came out. Was it was it pre Jedi? Because I know it's got some Yoda stuff in it, but. I yeah. couldn't say. Yeah, S same with you. I just always thought you're making stuff of you're making fun of the stuff that the franchise knows it's bizarre and weird and like and leans into that, you know, that's kind of what it is. So yeah. Um and I'm not I don't I want to just maintain I'm not being like a, a defensive Star Wars fan. Because I love making fun of Star Wars. That's, we do that so much on the show. Exactly. We do it all the time because, like we just said, Star Wars is weird and silly at times. And sometimes you're like, what the hell is this? 
Um, so in answer to Rob's question, this may be one that people haven't seen because it's actually the very first Star Wars parody, and that's Hardware Wars. Oh. Um, have you seen this one, Niall? I have not. I know of it, but I have I have yet to see it. I would say check it out. It, you can th- probably find it on YouTube, I think. Um, it is really funny. It's in the. It came out just after A New Hope. I think it was released in 1978 or 1979. Um, and it just has that sort of similar parody vein, much less budget, budget but the spirit of like Airplane. Um, and I just sort of what I really love about parodies is when they have that sort of spirit of having fun with the thing and not necessarily poking fun at it. Uh, Hardware Wars is one for me. And I love that in The Last Jedi, there's a Hardware Wars reference from Ryan Johnson with the the steam, the the iron steam thing pretending to be like a ship. And I was like, yes, Hardware Wars, you know? Do you know what? That moment in the film, the, the iron fake out, I have never seen, like, in the vehement discussion about that film, I've never seen people really bring it up, which leads me to believe maybe that is the one thing everyone likes about the movie. <laughs> Because it is a very good joke. Um, I've got a kind of a strange one as my choice, because some people might not consider it a parody. But I'm going to go with the original LEGO Star Wars games, which are taking the the saga up to that point in a very light-hearted, silly way. Because it's all, like, done through mumbling. They are All the characters are mute. So, like, when it the I am your father reveal, he's showing him a photograph of him and Padme. <laughs> It's just like really witty ways to tell that story silently. It's almost like a great experiment of turn Star Wars into a silent film. Um, and yeah, and all the, of course, Star Wars has all the dismemberments and with Lego that plays really well. And just a lot of wit and just like jolly humor because it, it, it's, it's kind of, it's not making fun of it. It's just being fun with it, if that makes sense. It's just saying this is something people of all ages love. I like Lego, so let's combine the two and just have a laugh. Because that game, if they played that straight, that would have just been so tonally weird watching like a acu- movie accurate Order 66 <laughs> of Lego people. <laughs> just parts flying everywhere. <laughs> and just in honour of Dave, even though we've cancelled him, uh, we've not. But Because uh, he brings it up a lot. He brings up a lot of uh, Robot Chicken sketches. And Robot Chicken, I also do think, is quite funny. Uh, especially the Star Wars stuff. Yeah, I would agree. I would say Robot Chicken is really funny. Uh, and as to represent Dave, I'd say that would be Dave's choice. I think he would pick Robot, Robot Chicken. Uh, but yeah, uh, the Lego stuff. I've always been a fan of the Lego stuff because, like you said... Lego does have this sense of humor that is really good. It's really funny. Um, that's why, and it strangely really works when you put Lord and Miller with that humor as well, because they have a very similar sense of humor. Um, hey, you got the Lego movies. Um, oh yeah, Han Solo's in the first one, isn't he? He just shows up. He is, yeah. What a weird thing. That, I bet that would never happen now. With like, you know, rights and all that. Sorry, no, probably, probably not, today. yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, those I've I, man, I have a lot of memories of playing those all the sort of renditions, even up to the latest one that they just released. So um, yeah, good time with the Lego Star Wars, and I yeah, I wouldn't class them as a full out parody, but I think it's a, a similar vein of parody of having fun with a franchise and you know doing the sort of the Lego take of it. It's just it's also just great seeing like two massive 
uh, you know, corporate brands have a crossover that doesn't feel like cynical and miserable. <laughs> they're, they're, they're like having fun with each other. It's starting to sound a bit tawdry, but <laughs> well, let's let's move on. But yeah, I, I love all these things except spaceballs. Oh, sorry, Rob. Sorry, Rob. <laughs> I think he really. I think Rob went in that with the energy. Like everyone loves spaceballs, and we really. Uh, we re- we just poo pooed on him. Sorry, Rob. Well, the, well, the, well, the Schwartz uh, is with you, Rob. The Schwartz is with you. I tell you what. The next time he's on, he can come on and defend why he loves spaceballs. So <laughs> that's absolutely fine. I never thought I would say that sentence. Defend your spaceballs. Um, right, is it me? Yes, it is me. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so the next question comes from another good friend of the show, Tom Gapper, um, who the last time he was on the show was back when we did Obi-Wan Kenobi. So we should get him on the show again sometime. Uh, he, he asks, what style of lightsaber would you guys wield? So mm. this kind of, I think this kind of adds to a further depth if you can, but there is a limited function. But a sort of B question to this of like, what lightsaber would you build at Galaxy's Edge? Um, but now I don't. I know Niall. I know you're not the merch guy, and I don't know if you would fork out two hundred dollars to do that. Um, but saying that, what would be your style of lightsaber? So, when he says style, does he mean like uh, double-edged and all that? All of it. So, what hilt? What hilt do you have? How many blades? What color? Like, well, I've been do. I've been dabbling in this because I, I don't think it's like spoilery to say Jedi Survivor. You get a lot of customization options. The first game has a bit of that, but it. But this one goes like really all out. Like you, you can choose like the texture, and you can choose is that texture brand new or is it quite old? It's very intricate. But I kind of go with a nice kind of. Kind of chrome, but with a bit of gold trim. It's, it, I think it looks kind of like High Republic-ish. The look I go for. I do want. I do always love. I love um Gunji and any time Wookies. They've got like the wood finish. I always think that's very nice. That's very like seventies interior. Um, but yeah. I I think. But in terms of like what the lightsaber would be, I've always thought Ezra's gun lightsaber was a really good idea. That, like, for that, it suits that character well. I'm not saying everyone should have one. But I always thought, man, what a great, like, little multi-use tool. But then in my heart, I've got to say, I do just love the, the crosshair. Not crosshair, what word am I looking? Crossguard? Oh, the crossguard. The Kylo Ren one. Very, like, very, like, classic knight stuff. So that, but not evil looking, of course. So like the High Republic stuff, like where it literally does look like a, a medieval knight sword. Like, I love those. And in Jedi Survivor, I've gone with, I've gone with the white blade, because I think it, that's what they looked like in like the original Star Wars, isn't it? It looked much more, and I I just think that's very like, it's striking in, and just really clean because I'm I'm colorblind, so colors don't do a whole lot for me in terms of lightsabers. I know um, I do like the green, but I feel being Irish having a green one seems a bit cliche. But the white, white cross guard, chrome and gold, but not too much gold. I don't want to look tacky. Oh, nice, nice. And you're not, but so you you're not going to add the blaster element like Ezra, though. No, I just wanted to give it a bit of a shout out because I was considering it. But then it's like, oh, if. It, 
Having a gun, I'm always uncomfortable with, even in fiction. For some reason, I'm more comfortable having a sword. A sword. Yeah, much more better to chop someone in <laughs> half than to shoot them. Uh, I, uh, defending what I love, not fighting what I hate. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's how I get out of legal trouble. <laughs> what, what about you, Jake? Because I, 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 you are an image guy. I know you've definitely given this a lot of thought. Um, yeah, I mean, in, in terms of what I would make at Galaxy's Edge is kind of what my lightsaber would be because they give you this option. And because I am very much a man of nature, a man of green, a man of forests, a man of trees, um, I would be very simple. I, I Very much like Gunji and other Wookiee Jedis um, or any other person I would say that is close to nature, I would probably get a wooden handle primarily. So it'd sort of be just a two-handed sort of thing mainly wood and then inlaid with like a bit of chrome i'd say nice bit of chrome just you know for the grip so you can get around and then on the end i don't know i think i would get like some sort of like i know in in galaxy's edge you can get like a rancor tooth on the end or something like that but i don't think i'd want like a tooth or anything like that i don't know maybe something like a little pouch for seeds, you know, where I can just like, you know, or if, a, if a tree's been felled, I can plant some seeds for a new one to grow there sort of thing. Um, but it'd be very basic, very uh, practical. And it would just be that that green man, that green blade, you know, in, in line with nature and in defense of nature always. Uh, but I would not want to use it. That's, that's, uh, I would just want to look at my cool hilt, you know. Let's not let's not bring out the blade, but admire the hilts, the craftsmanship of it. I would turn it on and like use it to kind of barbecue stuff, maybe if I'm out in the wild, you know, hold things over it, marshmallows. You know, for things like that, I'm happy to bring out the blade. You know, you know, the, it, there's some uh, debris in your way that you need to clear a path for something. Yeah, you know, bring that out and stuff like that. But yeah, not 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 to kill anyone, hopefully. Uh, but yeah, I, w- I would go for that nice wooden handle, I think. Nice carving as well, you know, like pro- like a pro- by a proper chippy. Would you, would you get anything engraved in it? It's a nice thing about wood. You could have like a nice little... Fear is the mind killer. <laughs> <laughs> would that be an Orbrecht or English? <laughs> Uh, probably an Orbrecht. Oh, I think that's cool. Frank Herbert spinning in his grave. <laughs> <laughs> that damn George Lucas ripped me off. <laughs> cool. Uh, will we move on to the next one? Yeah. So thank you for that question, Tom. So this is from a long-time listener, Jacob. We always love hearing from. And he's asking a re- what I think is a really interesting one. Uh, fa- what is our favorite LucasArts, LucasArts game? Which is great because it... It meant I had to dive into a list to just make sure that ones I were looking up were definitely LucasArts. Um, do you have an answer for this, Jake, or will I will I go first? I think you should go first if you because I'm just you know I hadn't thought about that and now I'm actually going to look up a list to make sure yeah. the ones I'm thinking of um, are you know the what that are actually produced by LucasArts. So my my all time favorite LucasArts game. Uh, this might be a surprising answer on this podcast, but it's not a Star Wars game. Oh, it is a it's a point and click adventure called Grim Fandango. Have you ever heard of this, Jake? I have not. Are you familiar with point and click as a genre? No, I, I I'm not. If you could please elaborate for me, please. Yeah, yeah, of course. So they like kind of classic PC games where you kind of click around an environment 
to solve puzzles. Like you click, say, on a, a book and your character walks over to it quite slowly because these games are old and he interacts with it. And they're usually about using items in certain combinations to solve puzzles or get out of situations. So Grim Fandango is an incredibly interesting aesthetic. It's kind of a film noir story told in like the Mexican world of the dead. So it's got kind of like Day of the Dead via Casablanca, <laughs> via uh, the Maltese Falcon. And it, because LucasArts had like a great run of point and click, like uh, the uh, Monkey Island games and Maniac Mansion and all these. But Grim Fandango, I think, was their best work because it's like very early 3D, but really cinematic. Like the few kind of cutscenes in this are done really well and just great characters. You laugh along with it, but by the end of it, it's genuinely incredibly emotional because your, your character, Manny Fandango, I think is his name. I might have that wrong, but he his job is he's a he's a at the start of the game he's a travel agent for the dead, so he sells you your premium package to move on to the next world. He's in purgatory and he gets drawn into a criminal conspiracy. And yeah, even talking about it now, I want to replay it. That just sounds wild. Like it, it's wild. It does suffer from a lot a problem. A lot of these games have sometimes there'll be a puzzle so so obtuse that you will have to look up an answer. There will be like one bit of the screen you haven't clicked that you didn't realize you could. But I, I highly recommend it to people. It's not that long and it's available, I think, on modern platforms. You can get it on PlayStation, Switch. It's all done up nicely. They did like new kind of cleaned up graphics. And yeah, just a wild ride. I know they did some great Indiana Jones point and clicks, but I, I've not played those yet. But I, I plan to correct that soon. Are you going to do a full indie dive before the new one, I assume? I might just. That might be my, my destiny. Your destiny of Nile. Um, <laughs> the Nile of Destiny. Ooh, I like that. <laughs> the Nile of Destiny. Um, where, what year was this game released? Ooh, it was the 90s. I might just do a quick look to make sure I've got that correct. Grim Fandango, 1998. 1998. Almost released one day before Halloween. That's really good timing for that game. Well done, Lucas LucasArts. <laughs> All right. Well, um, yeah, I mean, in regards to LucasArts as well, I have to say the biggest loss for me when Disney acquired Lucasfilm was the termination of LucasArts because, man, they made some great games. They, they were a, a really good company for video games at the in my opinion like the peak of video games like during that sort of late 90s to early noughties sort of era where naturally I'm going to say that because it was my generation but you know there were some really really good games and Lucasfilm was like at the forefront as it always is with LucasArts so yeah really gutted that they binned off uh, LucasArts and I don't think we've really had any sort of replacement and while the games have been mediocre to good, pretty decent, um, I still don't think the output and quality was there, is there from what we had at LucasArts. Uh, but in terms of my favorite games, um, I couldn't really pick one, so I just thought of three that came to my head from that sort of era. Um, the first one is on I had in my Nintendo 64, and that is Star Wars Episode One Racer, Pod Racer. Uh, great game. You know, it's 
what you would imagine like any type of racing game of the time would be, but it's just pod races. So you, you know you get to pick your character, your pod, and you get to do lef- different laps and uh, different planets and different arenas, and you know you get to attack different pod races and all these fun games. Really, really fun game. I had an absolute blast with that. I remember I played that so many hours on that. Um, the other one I used to play a lot was on PlayStation 2, and that was Star Wars Bounty Hunter, which was, I don't know if it, it was around the time of Attack of the Clones, um, and it was the game was, you were Jango Fett, you know, basically being a bounty hunter and doing what bounty hunters do. I remember having a lot of fun with that one. And then the other one was the Revenge of the Sith game on PlayStation 2, where Again, I had a lot of fun playing that one where you basically just played the game as either Anakin or Obi-Wan. You played the film, I I mean. Um, And I just remember having a lot of fun with the last sort of big fight between Anakin and Obi-Wan where if you could choose, if you choose to be Anakin and win, you can, (laughs) like, the alternate ending of that movie where Anakin kills Obi-Wan and then when like Palpatine comes to Mustafar to greet him, you have done well, my pre-, he just kills him as well. <laughs> Which I just thought, okay, this is an interesting alternative ending. So those are sort of my three games, and I, I think it's mainly because of like the memories, uh nostalgic memories I have of playing those games. So yeah, Star Wars, Racer, Pod Racer, Bounty Hunter, and Revenge of the Sith. That's a, that's a good that's a good little group of games. I think I think Pod Racer now you can get on modern formats. I think they've done like a newer version of that. Um, Bounty Hunter, I know you can get on PlayStation. I have heard some people say that the camera hasn't aged well, but I am curious to try it out myself. I've never touched that one. And yeah, the Revenge of the Sith one, it was just such a cool thing, that alternate ending. Which reminded me while you're saying it of the first Lego Star Wars game. Of course, that was a prequel trilogy. And the game ends because I think I, I played the whole game in co-op with my brother. And the great thing in that last level, the Obi-Wan Anakin fight, is you're kind of playing it co-op for most of it because you're like escaping lava until you get to like a certain area. And then the two of you have to fight each other to like finish the game pretty much. It's the last level. I just thought that was such a clever thing to do in a co-op game. At the last minute, be like, okay, now kill each other. <laughs> So yeah, those are excellent games. I, I weep for LucasArts, Jake. I hope one day we get to see like the Star Wars 1313 concept done in some way. But um, yeah, great question. Thanks a million, Jacob. Nice one. So uh, yeah, the next one is from Richard, who I believe you're uh, friends with, Niall. Mm-hmm. He's been on two episodes of the been show. On- two episodes so and so he asked given their fetish <laughs> for cancelling every film they announce uh, which film do you think will actually be the next one to come out so we did kind of speak of this uh when we did our celebration uh recap where we discussed all the movies that they announced there uh but now for if you want a further in-depth conversation seek out that episode uh, but Niall, what do you think, sort of, um, of the three movies that they've announced? Which one do you think is coming out first? And I'll add a side question. Do you think they're all coming out? So, to answer the first part, I do think the first one we get will be the Daisy Ridley one. Just because that's the most solid we've got. They have, now they've got a writer who's doing the show. They've got a director who's doing the show. And they've got their main star. So that one just seems to have a bit more jet fuel behind it 
Because I, I imagine if that was up in the air, we wouldn't have any cast announcements, you know? So, and I feel like, and I'm not, I'm not going to get into into this so much, but I know you're a, you're a big fan of the film, but we can all agree that Rise of Skywalker maybe, uh, there's been less momentum since then in terms of like the forward narrative. I think it's kind of had a bit of slight element of the Game of Thrones ending. But I think this is something that they're kind of aware of and they want to move on. I think that is their priority. Uh, what I'm worried about, speaking of all of them, is now the, the James Mangled one. Because I haven't been getting too into it, but the new Indiana Jones has, hasn't been having a great time critically so far. Now, it did premiere at Cannes, which is going to be like the the toughest critics. I was gonna say, not the ideal crowd for an indie movie, I'd say. But you know, I'm not. I'm not saying that they don't like Indiana Jones. But I think they'll be the first to, especially when it's like the new one. It's not Spielberg, and everyone's a bit pissed off about Disney in general nowadays. We're on the verge of the Little Mermaid remake. I can feel everyone's eyes rolling. But um, but I feel like you remember like the Colin Trevorrow. He did the Book of Henry, and then then there was creative differences. I don't know if there's any merits to that because directors can make bad films. They can make good films. But that's the only one I'd worry about, given that... Because maybe Dial of Destiny is very good, maybe it's very bad, but they did give him, like, the keys to one of the shiniest cars in their garage. So we'll see if the car comes back all right. But uh, it's a shame, because that's the one out of the three. I think the concept is so exciting. And it feels like, because that's more of his idea, almost it seems like he's excited, he loves his biblical epics. I, I, I would hope it happens. But... Out of the three, because Dave Filoni's film is absolutely going to happen. But I think we're just further off from that because they've got at least two more shows to come out before they can kick that one into gear. We might have even another season of Mando and stuff before then. That one, I don't know, did we ever get a time frame for that or they just said later? Yeah, that they did. They just said Dave Filoni's making a movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's, yeah, that's, that's pretty much my thoughts. And also just... um. The Taika Waititi one? That, I'm like... Because whenever they mention it, they say, oh, he's, he's off writing it. <laughs> Is he? <laughs> well, he's I, making, I, he's, ma- he's making a football film. <laughs> it was, it's done. That one, I think that one was kind of in the bag for a while, but it's like, so what is he doing? <laughs> <laughs> and again, like, Love and Thunder, you know, everyone has their opinions on Love and Thunder, but... <sighs> <laughs> I don't know where I was going with that. <laughs> but at the same time, you know, he's, although I, I've got my problems with some of his work, I also love other parts of his work. And if if he does, like, a good, sincere version of what he likes about Star Wars, because I love his Mando episode. I've, that's one of the best ones, I think, the season one finale. So I, 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 I'd love to be cheeky to say the Ryan Johnson trilogy is going to happen right now. I get what Richard's saying, though, because it is, like, just unfortunate the sheer amount of these projects that haven't happened but we'll see i feel i've i've got to misquote Star Wars. i've got a good feeling about this one with the ray one yes same as you and i would say as of right now as of today i would say i have a good feeling about all three of them um because i i don't think lucasfilm after their track record, after knowing the reception they've had in regards to announcing stuff and it never gets followed through, wouldn't have 
made this type of announcement and made this big of a deal about it at Star Wars Celebration if they didn't have something cemented and ready in place to kind of go ahead, you know? Um, especially with the Daisy Ridley post Rise of Skywalker film. Like, that one seems to me like, you know, we've been hearing that uh, for a while now. It was at one point the Damon Lindelof project. Um, Charmino Bay Annoyed was brought in by Damon Lindelof to direct it and stuff like that. Um, I think that one's going to be the first one that's come out. However, slight tangent on non-Star Wars, but it affects the industry. Um, the writer's strike at the minute is obviously affecting the whole industry. So if the reports we were hearing that the final draft of that script was meant to be due in by the end of May... Um, and that that film was going to be set in, go into production soon and to be released in 2025, that might be pushed a bit now due to the writer's strike and stuff like that. So I don't know in regards to when any Star Wars film is going to come out, um, but I would say that is the first one. Dave Filoni movie, obviously that's happening, but I agree with you, it needs a couple more seasons, um, maybe two seasons of Ahsoka. I don't know, Like what, what we'll have to see what Ahsoka season one sets out. And Mangold, I would say out of the three, I, like you, I'm the most worried about if that's going to happen or not. But again, I would say as of right now, I would say that they are fully confident that James Mangold is going to do this movie and that and, and it's happening. Things can obviously change. The industry is forever changing and it moves at a very quick speed as well. So we will see. But I think as of right now, Lucasfilm seem pretty confident that all three of these movies are going to happen. But it's going to be the Daisy Ridley one for me that I think comes out first. Again, with a James Mangold thing, though, I just remembered he's kind of like, is he confirmed to be doing a new Swamp thing for like the James Gunn regime of DC? Or is it just they say he wants to do it? I don't know. I know they are doing a Swamp thing. I I didn't hear any names attached to it, though. Yeah, I, I, I just heard this going around, but it's always worrying when there's like there's another like big passion project on the horizon it's like, who would have oh, thought damn. swamp thing was james mango's passion project well, apparently he, he loves swamp thing oh, i almost said man thing i do get confused <laughs> this, is, this isn't capes cows and masks i'm not always on the ball <laughs> um but yeah i think yeah i i think that's pretty i'm pretty confident in these next three projects but I do like Richard's characterization of um, cancelling films as a fetish. As a fetish. That's just an incredibly interesting perspective. So we'll get Kathleen Kennedy off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> At the next celebration, she's announced all those three films were cancelling them as of today's. So while she's doing it, she's like taking long drags and a cigarette, just really relishing it. Go picture, more like no picture. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, uh, I think we both agree that we both think somehow Ray Palpatine will return. She will return, yes. <laughs> All right, now, why don't you uh, close us off with our last question of the episode? Okay, so this is from Graham, the lovely Graham Day, who's, who's asked, what are the odds that Cal Kestis will be introduced to the larger universe outside of the games? Now, I, I've I've be, I've been thinking about this quite a bit recently because obviously Cal Kestis is a cool character. He's just like a nice bloke, which I like about him. <laughs> That's like his main thing. And some people found him a bit dull in the first game, but I think by the second, he's actually kind of won those people over by just being like quite a nice man. 
and he's he has the advantage of being played by an actor who he shares like the exact likeness with so i think that's why a lot of people want to see him in live action i i don't so much because i love the fallen order world that they've built up so far i'm not going to get into jello survivor but they go in a direction that's like very different from other things we've seen in terms of where the story is and i love that it's its own thing i don't need to know if he helps to start the rebellion the only place i thought we could potentially see him is in some kind of animated form around order 66 or clone wars era just as like a, a cameo his master turpol <laughs> i'm terrible on names now uh, and hit little him like kind of like the Kanan cameo at the start of bad batch hey bad batch would be a good show for him to pop up in in that regard yeah and you know that's fine but i just don't see and i don't want anything treading on the toes of limiting the story that the game developers are doing with him i think keep kind of church and state separate because otherwise like we don't want to know that he lives to be 80 you know <laughs> Um, yeah, and and he and he was on Endor like Rex, <laughs> but by then he had disavowed the Force, so technically he wasn't a Jedi. Uh, no, just stop, stop. Order sixty six. It, it's good that a lot of people, character wise, it's good we had less Jedi. Um, I I like I like how you stopped yourself because you were going to say it's good that a lot of people died. <laughs> I know. I, I I saw where I was going. I'm always like on the verge of accidentally becoming a bit fashy, but I don't mean it. <laughs> uh, so, uh, sorry, Jake, what, what do you think of um, Cal Kestis? Well, um, like you, and it's not just the video games verse, but I, I think I see this sort of question in regards to animation as well, which we're getting with Ahsoka, you know, animation characters coming to live action. Um, and I get the appeal. I, I understand totally of seeing uh, a character in live action, but I, I take a stance where I don't think live action is the be-all and end-all of storytelling. You know, I think animation, video games, comics, books, they are all powerful within their own mediums. And certain characters, it's absolutely fine for them to live within that medium, you know? So I'm with you. I'm happy for Cal Kestis to just live in the video game world for a while, at least until the game developers have finished his story that they wanted to tell. So, like, I would imagine they probably want a trilogy, you know? So, I would hope for the fans of the game and the developers that they get to make a third one and maybe close off Cal's story. And then after that, I'd be totally up for him popping up in other adventures. But it doesn't have to be live action. He could pop up in a comic book. He could pop up in a book. He could, you know, another video game or something like that. So, yeah, I think it's inevitable for him to eventually go outside the video games um but i think they should just take their time with it and like we always say let the story dictate what characters to bring in where rather than just trying to put characters in somewhere something this is not to do with that so much but i always thought it was a a weird bummer was i always thought that because ea uh, the parent company of these games made battlefront and fallen order i thought like cal kestis and like an inquisitor could have made it to battlefront 2 it's like a hero class when they were updating it i thought that would have been a really cool crossover but yeah it just they, they seem quite bad on synergy back then for whatever reason but it seems like we're in quite i know you're talking about lucasarts earlier but i think we're getting to a quite good place with star wars video games now i think they're being a bit more free with it like squadrons was a really nice little surprise 
to get a game of that ilk. And I hope that we're getting a first-person shooter by a really great development team, which is really exciting, and an open-world game by Ubisoft to do the Assassin's Creed games. So things have opened up. Eclipse, I don't think, is ever going to happen, but it's a great trailer. <laughs> it's a great trailer. Yeah, I'm looking forward to the future of Star Wars video games, and I'm hoping they can maybe uh, output enough with enough quality that makes me go, okay, I'll buy a PS5 and I'll start playing all these games, you know? I have to, for me to buy a PS5, I need there to be a justifiable amount of games that I'd be interested in, especially with the cost of them, you know? Yeah, I think um, <laughs> PS5 is worth investing in if like if your 4K player ever breaks. <laughs> I think that, that may take the sting off it a bit. It's like, oh, well, I need a new 4K player. But uh, I digress, yeah. And um, I've been enjoying recently, I've been getting into some like older Star Wars games that I've missed out on. So I've, we have no shortage of Star Wars things to play, which is nice. Yeah, there's always something to play. Even if it's an old game, just remastered. But yeah, do you think inevitably he will, though, come outside of the games? I think there is a chance we will see him in live action purely for like the actor... The actor stuff, because also his master Seer in the in the first game is played by oh, I forget her name, but she is like a fairly known actress. She's been in a few things, quite a few video games, weirdly. But um, I could see them maybe down the line doing like some kind of short film or something to show it with them, because they've got such a good little cast, and they've we've had live action BD one quote unquote live action in Book of Boba Fett. Or a, mo- a droid of that model. A live-action you know? Grease would be funny. <laughs> yeah, I'd be curious to see how they do that. <laughs> but yeah, I'm not fully against it, but only if they can do it where the people who are actually telling a story are either involved and it's something that they want to do, or does that, it does not tread on their toes at all. That's why I said, like, kind of wait till they've finished their story that they want to say in the games, and then can kind of do whatever you want after that, in a sense. Hundred percent, hundred percent. All right then. So uh, that's it now. That's it. Yeah, we're all we're all out of questions. But well, well, that was such good fun. We got such a nice variety of things to talk about. Got to talk about games we love. We got to kick space balls in the well. <laughs> <laughs> speaks for itself. Sorry, yeah. Rob. Sorry, Rob. We're not having a go at you, Rob. Nothing but love. Yeah, nice fun time. Yeah. Should be uh we'll we'll have a few more of these type of just uh more chilled out fun episodes as um we don't really have anything major until Ahsoka in August so we got the whole all summer to chill Nile with these these fun episodes that we'll be doing. It would have been funny if we tried to do for this particular day like an anniversary episode for all the things that are having an anniversary. God, <laughs> five so hour that- episode incoming. Five-hour episodes, and by the end, we just argue about the Darth Maul cameo. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, will we will we get out of here? Yeah, let's get out of here. So, Jake, do you have anything to plug or recommend at the moment? Who? Um, do you know what? I'm going to recommend some music. How about that? Because I've just because I've just I've been a bit at that they are my favorite band in history i just love these guys so much and just recently i've just started listening to them again a lot more um and then made me realize yet yeah, this is why i love these guys so check out pantera uh my absolute favorite band kick ass 
heavy music. It's not for the faint of heart, I will admit. You know, it's not for everyone's taste. But if you're a, if you're a metal fan, if you're a rock fan, check out Pantera if you haven't before. Um, and, you know, everyone always, always says Cowboys from Hell or Vulgar Display of Power. But I'm going to say the, the last album they had before they disbanded, which is Reinventing the Steel. So check that out if you want some heavy blues southern metal. Ooh. Well, you know, I've been getting, it sounds weird to say, but I've been getting a lot more back into music lately because I feel it's something that I haven't been focusing on much. I'm getting back into it as like, it's kind of like filled a hole in my soul I didn't realize I had. So I will I will be checking out Pantera. It might be weird music for me to work <laughs> listening to. It might be a bit intense, but I'm, I'm open to trying it because it's kind of music I've not delved into. If you're doing a workout, then yeah, it's great for oh, that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, I'll be muscly. <laughs> <laughs> big Nile summer yeah so so that that's uh that's my recommendation and as for yeah you can just catch me on um on twitter um at sweaty jake and also on letterbox for all my film watchers which i'm actually currently watching all of pantera's home videos as well just to Ooh. see all the shenanigans rock stars get up to <laughs> pantera is also the name of like a really great taco place in Cardiff. have you been there is it no i haven't been there it's really i like i love stadium. tacos so i gotta check that out Great, great place. They've got like a rotating taco menu and you have beers in the sun outside there. It's like at the bottom of a, oh, what's it called? Wombie Street. You sold me. We'll, we'll go there for yeah. a date. A we'll, we'll do day. our recording there. We'll bring, <laughs> yeah. bring the Zoom. Bring the Zoom. Ta- tacos and Star Wars in the sun. Oh, hell yeah. That sounds like the summer in a That's nutshell. That's the summer right there. Or in a taco shell, I suppose. But uh, as, as far as recommendations from Ego, I think I was talking to you about this on our chat a few days ago. We're watching a show on Apple TV called Silo. It's a very nice, like, understated, weird dystopian sci-fi thing with the great Rebecca Ferguson and Tim Robbins is in it. Just another really strong Apple TV show. They've got very few shows, but everything I've kind of gotten into I've really liked. Except Ted Lasso. That, That didn't do it for me at all. But I don't like this thing. I don't know how you feel about this jake when things are kind of trying really hard to be wholesome i have um for the first time just the other day watched the first episode of ted lasso oh uh, what did you with, think with my partner i'm i thought it was fine I, yeah uh, i i am I'm, I'm continuing to watch i will continue to watch a few more episodes like cause i always like to give a show at least one season mm-hmm. um but yeah i i from the first episode, I was like, okay, it's good, but I don't... It From all the Emmys and stuff that is, I was like, I'm, I don't know what I'm missing. Like, am I... Like, Do you know my problem is it's like, it, it can't decide if it wants to be a sitcom or like a normal show. Like, there's no reason a comedy should have episodes that are like almost an hour long. Yeah, yeah. I, I find that really weird, but... Um, as my recommendation, I spoke more about Ted Lasso, which I don't really like, <laughs> than my recommendation. But Silo's ongoing. It's like four episodes in. The fifth is out tomorrow, a time of recording. And yeah, really nice. It feels almost kind of visually, it feels like almost like the new Dune. Just very like clean, but big, expansive world. Great world building. It's based on books I'd never heard of. Yes, sci-fi shows are in a very good place right now. In I'm, I'm going to check that out, Silo, because I, I, keep, I keep seeing it pop up on my like Apple TV box on like the homepage of like, watch this now. I'm like, okay, I will. It's not a sexy title, and I think that is a flaw. Like Silo, when I heard it, I thought it was about farming 
<laughs> and the books are even worse. The first silo book is called Wool. Oh, who's gonna pick up wool? Wool, yeah. Oh, this yeah. is this looks sci-fi. <laughs> but oh, it does dear. have Rebecca Ferguson, so I'm always Who is she's she's ha- she's having a great year this year, isn't it? She's got Dune, Hell Mission yeah. Impossible, and this. Yeah. Oh my god, such a such a great talent. Yeah, but well, um, from Sweden, a great ta- a great great place where great talent comes from. Yeah, yeah. Shout out to Sweden. Shout out to Sweden. <laughs> 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 All right, that's that's enough about Sweden for now. So as for the Monday Lorians, you can find us on Twitter at Monday Lorians, and where we use Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or whatever, whatever you can subscribe, follow us, give us a ranking, give us a little review. I always love hearing what people think of the show. It's always really sweet when. People I know who listen to it message back and say, like, oh, great episode. It's a nice little just kick of adrenaline for the happiness part of my brain. And uh, as far as signing off, I think we should just say, like, rest in peace, Ray Stevenson. Yeah, rest in peace. You great man. Goodbye, Jake. Goodbye, Niall. Goodbye, audience. Uh-huh.